Welcome to the Big Honker Podcast. I'm Jeff Stanfield, and I would like to thank our sponsor, Stanfield Hunting Outfitters in Knox City, Texas, home of the Big Honker Lodge. We have a podcast special hunt November 19th, 20th, and 21st. It's a three-morning goose hunt, lodging and meals for $7.50 per person. And this is for the single and the double hunter that are looking for times to come hunt, and they, they don't have nobody to go with them. Anyways, it's November 19th, 20th, 21st, and that's the Stanfield Hanging Outfitters, a proud sponsor of the Big Honker Podcast. www.stanfieldhunting.com so I'd like to thank William Chris Vineyards for being a sponsor of the Big Honker Lodge. William Chris Vineyards in High Texas. The Big Honker Lodge. Big Honker Podcast. My gosh, I did that again. Folks, if you get in a little trouble at home, you got your wife pissed off, she's on your ass, girlfriend's on your ass, hell, your boyfriend's on your ass, I don't care. Stop down at High Texas and check into William Chris Vineyards. They have an awesome, awesome vineyard right there. They've got a, t- a tasting room. Great place. They do weddings. They have a great venue for all that stuff. Or you can find... Sway Rose, another product of William Chris Vineyards. Sway is available at Bucky's, HEB, Central Market, and Whole Foods. Anyways, get out of the doghouse, guys. Get your wife a bottle of William and Chris. Hey, guys. Zach Shaver here, head guide for Stanfield Hunting Outfitters. If you're in the market for a duck or goose call, I recommend going down to 737 Duck Calls right now and picking you one up. I used them all last winter, and I highly recommend them. The 737 Nitro is the call to put the geese down. If you're not into goose hunting, they got duck calls too. Single reed, double reed, acrylic, wood, you name it, they got it. Get down there today and pick you one up. Look them up on Instagram at 737DuckCalls. Look on their website at www.737DuckCalls.com or look them up on Facebook at 737DuckCalls. Hey, this is Andy Shaver, and we would also like to thank our sponsor, Dive Bomb Industries. Dive Bomb is the leader in silhouette manufacturing in the decoy market today. They're all we use they have goose decoys, duck decoys, crane decoys. They've got it all at an already rock-bottom price. But for listeners of this podcast, Dive Bomb is going to sweeten the deal. You use the promo code BIGHONKER, all lowercase words, at checkout, and you can save yourself 10% off of your next purchase. So go to DiveBombIndustries.com, fill up that shopping cart, Get what you're needing. The season's coming fast and save yourself some money by using the promo code BIGHONKER at checkout. That's BIGHONKER, all lowercase. Do it now. Get a jump start on the season that will be here before we know it. Now, on this episode of the podcast, Jeff and I tie up some loose ends. We talk a lot about the powers of the goose flag. We also dive back into the Bigfoot debate. And we also, we dive into politics a little bit and the, uh, the little riff that has, a, that has uh, shown itself between Trump and Trudeau. And we talk about what that might mean for waterfowlers in Canada, mainly Americans going up there to hunt. So this episode, we kind of tie up a few loose ends. So anyway, stick around and enjoy.
Three, two, one. Boom. Welcome to the Big Honker Podcast. I'm Jeff Stanfield. I'm uh, Andy Shaver. How are y'all doing today? We don't have anybody special in today. It's just me and Andy. Just us two. That's so, it. We are going to talk some hunting today, some waterfowl hunting, some dove hunting, everything today. Just kind of fill in the blanks on some hunting stuff. <clears throat> Had some questions. And one of the questions a gentleman asked me the other day, or didn't ask me, he sent me a message and said, hey, what's the deal with flagging? So I, I'm assuming some people still don't know much about flagging. I must live under a rock. Explain to us how flagging works and, the, and why, why people should flag geese. The flag is... Uh it, it looks like a, a bird that's flapping his wings, and a bird will do that on the ground for various re- reasons. Um, if there's a domestic disturbance, he'll kind of flap his wings to uh, maybe try to mitigate that. Sometimes they'll just kind of rear back and flap their wings, I guess, to stretch them out and make sure that they still work. Um, and and uh, another thing that the flag does is, is just adds movement to your, to your spread. So um, – <clears throat> decoys are you know they're stationary they're not walking around or anything and if you're hunting a a no wind type of day then the birds could be uh, a little bit wary to the to the the stillness basically so if you add the the flagging dimension it kind of adds movement and uh, adds a little bit more realism realism to your to your spread so that's what a flag is pretty simple uh, comes on, it's just looks like basically two wings and it's attached to, a, a golf club handle type club. And, uh, you just, you can flap it and, uh, you know, sometimes a little bit of flagging goes a long way. Other times you gotta really, uh, get aggressive with it. So you gotta, you always want to, uh, kind of test the waters at first. So, um, I know, each morning, I'll just kind of give a, a couple pumps of the flag and see what reaction I get. And sometimes it's they come right in, and uh, other times it's, ooh, shit, I've seen that before, and they bail out. So, um, But I'll use flagging, <clears throat> you know. Each flock, I'll, I'll pick it up multiple times. And you can kind of steer your birds with the with, – uh, you can kind of steer your geese with the flag. Uh, if they're kind of trailing off to your right or your left – uh, you hit that flag, and a lot of times they'll kind of lock in on it and go to uh, wherever your flag is. And this is where uh, things like the Magic Mic come in handy. Now explain to them what the Magic Mic is. The Magic is. Mic is is a product made by Molt Gear, and it, it basically just goes on a, a a stand almost that you you can pop it into the ground, and then your flag goes on top of it, and then you you hook your comes with a string. String clips to the flag, and you can run like if you're hunting a weed line, uh, you can just run that string to wherever you're hiding, and you can pull on that string, and then you get the same effect as as the handheld flag. And I know days, uh, <clears throat> you know, if there's a quartering wind or something like that, I'll kind of move the magic mic off to one side or the other, and uh, that's where I want the birds to finish. So. When the birds get kind of to that 75-yard range, I'll really work that magic mic to kind of put them in position where I want them. So it's a handy little tool, something that we use a lot here in Texas and Oklahoma. And that's that's kind of the gist of flagging in a nutshell. I'm sure we could get more technical and more complicated, but there's really not any reason to. Does flagging work on ducks? 
Yeah, if you don't have a mojo, you could you could stick up a flag. Just I think ducks are kind of looking for any any type of motion. Yeah, I've I've flagged ducks before. Um, like that magic mic, I'll uh, a lot of times I'll just kind of just barely pop it, and uh, it works. Not as good as a mo as good as a spinner or anything, but it works. If you're in a pinch and you know you're goose hunting and a flock of ducks is buzzing you, sure, pop up the flag and see what they do. Now, now, a lot of people do not realize this, that they, they don't shoot ducks and geese both together, but you cannot use the mojos and kill Canada geese. Right, no. Not happening. We've covered that a little bit, but yeah, if, if you got geese and you got a spinner up, you better take her down pretty quick. But they like the flag, because the flag, it's it's kind of, it's not constant. So, uh, you you just kind of use it when you need to, when you absolutely need to, like I, like I was talking earlier. If they're going to one side or the other, you can use that flag to center them up. Or if you think you lost them, you know, uh, really work that flag and get more aggressive in your calling. And it's just kind of a, I don't know, it's it. If you flag constantly, you know, like the constant motion of a spinner, you're going to flare your geese. No, so. and it's also a tool. And 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 I, and I know people are going to listen to this and say, "Well, he's a dumbass to say this," but it's not something to use while you're sitting in a in a in a layout blind you have to be in the spread to use the flag or you have to use the flag the magic mic when you're in the layout blind away from the decoys if you're hunting an edge row you mean like yes you're not, when, right. yes well yeah let me clarify that you if you're not in the middle of the spread or in right. the spread of decoys flagging you can flag for a little bit but when they get closer it's not going to work yeah so like using that flag to finish them and you're hiding out of the spread 20 or 30 yards, mm, that might not work. It might, you know, if, if you're hunting dumb enough birds, it'll, I'm not going to say it won't ever work, but <clears throat> odds are, yeah, you're going to have a tough time. So if if you hunt outside of your spread a lot, I would definitely look into getting a, a magic mic because you can, <clears throat> you can run that string out. And, uh, you know, I would, honestly, I would recommend getting a magic mic anyway because, so, like, here in Texas, even when we do hunt in the spread, uh, we'll all have uh, a flag that we use with our hand, you know, one that's just right with us. And then we'll set those magic mics off to the right or to the left or in the center or wherever just to get the attention away from where we're hiding. So, that, that's, <clears throat> that's one thing that, that having a flag like that will come in handy because... Uh, It'll take the attention off of you, and if you've got it on your left wing, you know, that's where they're looking and not, not right where you are. So it's a handy little tool to have, do you, for sure. When we're doing decoy spreads and you got a kill hole out, do you leave decoys in the kill hole? Or do you, like, leave it wide open? Uh, that depends on a couple things. Wind, wind is one of them. If I'm hunting the X is one of them. So, um if you've ever seen geese on a non-wind day, they just, they'll kind of get to where everything is landing in the field and then they'll just kind of plop. So you'll see 20 or 30 geese and then, you know, you might, there might be gaps in your, in your, there might be gaps where the geese are. It won't be a solid, solid mass of birds. So if the wind is not blowing very hard, I will set, you know, five or six decoys in the kill hole but if the wind's blowing at a pretty good clip 
I'll just leave it wide open. And, you know, it just kind of, if birds are getting stale and they can, they're starting to tell the difference in decoys, uh, then I will definitely leave that kill hole open. That way, by the time that they get to that front edge of the decoys, we're already shooting at them. So it just depends, but there's, there's a couple different scenarios that I would, I would like to have figured out before I say, yes, I'm definitely leaving it open or putting decoys in it. But, and, and if I'm, and if I'm running traffic, I want to make my spread look as big as it can get. So I will literally, I'll put decoys 75 yards away from where I'm hiding, from where, from where I'm going to be, because I want my spread to look massive. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, I'll, I'll put six or seven here. I'll put two dozen, uh, over there and I'll just kind of make it that way when they basically, I want it from the time that they start flying over my field all the way to me. They're, they're passing birds, they're passing decoys and that makes it look massive and it makes it look like, you know, Hey, this is where all the birds are today. So you might as well just stop here first. Is there is there any certain decoy that you recommend putting in the kill hole? If you put like, would you put uh, a sleepers in there? Or uh, would you put... This all depends on where you're at. I would I like to do uh, feeder bunches. So I'll put we actually call it the feeding frenzy. I'll put two or three dozen. I know it sounds like a lot, but I will just mash them all into. Uh, you know, again, if I want this, if I want the birds to to land more left i'm going to put a feeding frenzy right there because you're putting all your feeders in one tight bunch and i'll put these things shoulder to shoulder and nose to ass and i'll make it look like this is where all the food is that way when the birds are coming in the air they see that they see they see decoys with their heads down bunched up this is a signal to them in the air that that's where the food is so a lot of times that's where they'll land uh just without you know without thinking about it because that's what they see in the air when there's food in a concentrated area that's where they you know that's their whole reason for flying out that morning is to eat so um if i'm putting if i'm putting decoys in my uh in my kill hole a lot of times it's feeders because that's where i want the birds to focus and that's where i want the birds to land now further out i'll put you know sentries and ones with their heads up and ones that look like they're walking uh that way, you know, it doesn't look like there is as much food way out yonder. So the closer they get, they start seeing the more more and more decoys with their heads down, and and that means food, which is what they're looking for. When you when you mentioned centuries, I had a guy text me the other day, and he's like, "Hey, when y'all get on the podcast, y'all talking about goose hunting." He said, "I want to know." He said, "I bought some decoys," and he said, "A lot of them are centuries. How many centuries do you run in your spread? Let's say you've got ten dozen decoys out, which is a small spread for us." By any means, if we put out ten dozen decoys, how many centuries would you have? Well, you know, what, does it make a difference, anyways? Head position makes all the difference later on in the year. Maybe not so much, but that body position, body postures is geese and ducks are a lot like humans. Uh, body language says a lot more than what they're hearing. So if you get a bunch of, you know, what's the first thing you do? What's the first thing a bird does uh, when you walk up on it? He pops his head up. Okay, he's looking. What the hell's going on? So if you ran 10 dozen with, with all their heads sticking up, the birds in the air are going to think something's not right there. There's a predator somewhere, a coyote or whatever. 
let's be on the lookout and they're not going to be as comfortable birds with their head down don't have a worry in the world and they're just they're eating and staying alive okay so most of the time when you buy new decoys they're going to come with maybe i think i'm just trying to think of what is in the dive bomb boxes there's uh i think there's six six feeders uh two resters, two walkers, and two sentries. So, you know, about half of your spread needs to look like they're feeding, and then the other uh, the other quarter needs to look like they're relaxed, and then I would even, you know, if it were up to me, like Guggenheim said a couple weeks ago on the podcast, if he could have all feeders in his spread, with just a couple centuries, that's what he would do. So, And I'm of the same mentality because, like I said, bird with his head down doesn't have a worry in the world. He's comfortable in that field. He's comfortable enough to let his guard down to uh, start eating. So um, it just depends on what you're trying to convey to that flock in the air. If you're wanting to convey comfort and food, run more feeders. Um, if you're wanting, I don't know why you would want to, make it look a, a, an, like an alert type of situation. But you need some with their heads up just because that's what they're used to seeing. So, but the less the better. Well, I was watching a field last well, – I watch our fields every day. I, I do a lot of scouting. I look in the mornings, I scout, find out where we're going to hunt in the evening. I go with the guides and we scout again and figure out where we're going to hunt. Usually we have a pretty good idea what we're going to do. There's very few times we have surprises at night or we birds don't go to a field that we're expecting them to be in, but it does happen. But I watch fields a lot, and I can tell when it gets really cold and the birds are really hitting a feeding deal that when I get a hot, hot field, there's very few centuries up in a group of birds. And, I mean, I'm talking – when I say a group of birds, I'm talking five to 10,000 birds in a field in a feed. Yeah. And you don't see very many centuries. Everybody's feeding. Yep. I mean, there's a few, but most everybody's asses down, heads up. And that's the movement that nobody on the decoy business has come up with yet is that bobbing up and down decoy that just looks like – because it's constant motion in a goose spread, constant yep. motion. When you see geese and there's no movement, they're fixing to leave. Something's alerted them. Everybody's yeah. fixing their bell. Uh-huh. But when they're – like you talk about the body movement, but when those birds are feeding and comfortable, it's constant motion. And yep. that, and, and you don't see a lot of centuries, and so that that answered the questions about the centuries. The more feeders, the better. You know, uh, like Jeff was saying, when it gets still, and that's another thing where the flag kind of puts everything at ease because when they roll up on a on a decoy spread that is just dead calm, which you'll get if the wind's not blowing. Uh, when they see dead calm birds in the field. That, that usually means that they're all kind of focusing in on, on something, which is, you know, just always remember that 75 to 80% of, of language is uh, unspoken. It's all body posturing and, and all that, just like with humans. You ask your wife, what's wrong? Nothing. She's got her arms crossed and a sourpuss look on her face. Something's wrong. So... Just remember that when you're setting out your goose spread or duck spread or whatever. When 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 those geese, or, or when we use those silhouette decoys while we're goose hunting, we use the dive bomb silhouettes, and, and you've got a cloudy day, you don't get the shadows you get on the sunny day. The sunny days help the silhouettes, I believe, because you get some shadows. And those shadows are moving as those birds are circling around. 
because the shadow is going to move, you mm-hmm. know, as the sun, whatever direction you're looking at him from. And that makes a big difference. But the, the movement part, and, and like, like you said, you said there's no wind, there's no movement. It's a dead spread. Yep. And, and there's no way to add them. Your, your wind socks don't work, anything else do. So a lot of it has to do with the kind of decoys you have in the field. Yep. And you really need to flag on those days with no wind. Just got to add movement for sure. Just give them something to kind of, uh, you know, rest assured that, oh, okay, well, there is a little bit of life down there. They're not looking at a coyote that's trotting across the field trying to get somebody. So movement is key. And if you're hunting in an area that no one else is flagging, and there's probably some places in the United States still that there's there's some goose there's some goose hunting at that nobody's doing a lot of flagging. Flagging will make the whole change the whole game. It does. It's a big difference. It's a big difference maker. And I've been there before when it made a difference. Okay. Well, you said it was like a magic wand whenever you first oh, got introduced to it. It was freaking unbelievable how good flagging worked. I mean, mine, I bought mine first flag in nineteen ninety. Five ninety six, and then I met, got to meet, be friends with Randy Bartz, and Randy's still alive. Good for him. He made me Facebook friend the other day. I didn't know Randy oh. was still alive. But anyways, Randy, come up with he he was the first one to market the flag, and Randy's brought me a couple flags, and I have a case with my name on it. it says Jeff Stanfield, Flagman Pro Staff. Something I'm going to keep forever. It's a pretty interesting deal. But but that flag in the in the late nineties was amazing because not very many people used them. And those geese reacted to it probably the same way they did when the Mojos first came out. And they would just lock on. Do you think that that there has been a more uh, powerful tool invented other than the flag? No. I think the flag. For goose hunting, I mean. No. I think for the Well, the MR eye machine for life, but <laughs> no. But for, for right. goose hunting, no. The flag and the mojo are and probably the, for duck, are, are for the duck two hunting. biggest things two we've biggest, seen changed. Right. Because a freaking duck decoy that they hunted on in 1910 or 1930 or 1950 was a hand-carved wooden decoy. It done the same. Now, you'd right. be a strong some bitch to carry a 10 dozen of them suckers around. But Ugh. the duck decoy changed when they went to plastic decoys. You'd probably start seeing bigger spreads. But it's still a fucking duck decoy. It ain't changed at all. You know, you can take the best duck decoy in the market, and I don't even know who makes it. AVNX, whoever does it, with the best paint job. The full body, you mean? Any kind. Duck decoy, full body. Dave Smith decoys. I don't know what Dave Smith decoys. $1,000 for full body goose decoys for a dozen. It's a lot. I mean, I don't even know what they are, but those decoys look great. But it's still a freaking decoy. Yeah. It hadn't changed none for when you hunt over stuffers. It ain't better than hunting over stuffers. No. But, but it's the same thing. But the flag changed everything because it added motion. And it's the best 15 to $35. I don't even know what a flag costs anymore. Probably around that range. 15 to $35 you can spend. So if you're going to spend 1000 to $5,000 on a decoy spread, which is not unusual, that's pretty common. Spend the $35 and buy you a flag, especially if you're hiding in the field, in your spread. It will change the way you hunt. And everybody else is doing it. The biggest problem I think that we're finding in the waterfowl industry is guys start hunting out September 1st, basically. You start seeing full goose spreads. Canada, when I was first got in the hunting business a long time ago, and even 15 years ago, there wasn't that many people in Canada hunting. Now everybody in America almost has ran an operation in Canada or tries to. We, we, we tried to do it, and it was just too much of a hassle. But 
with dove season and stuff. But anyways, we would go to Canada and hunt. We hunted the same way in Canada September 1st that we're hunting in Texas on January 30th or Oklahoma. Right. Those birds are seeing the same thing now. You got September, October, November, December, January. It's five months. So half of the year. And some places, season's going middle of February. Mm-hmm. And the guy told me the other day, sent me a message, you can shoot 10 specks in Utah. Yeah, but, I got a message. But but six months of the year, we're hunting these birds. And then well, if you North throw Dakota, in the conservation season. North Dakota, you can hunt mid, August. mid-August. So we're looking at six or seven months now of prime waterfowl hunting. And they see the same thing every freaking day. Mm-hmm. The same goose spread we hunt in Texas that we've been hunting at. Because our spreads are the same basic thing we've been hunting in since the mid-90s. I mean, there's a few changes and stuff, but it's the same basic deal. So these birds are seeing the same thing day in and day out. So something new like a flag, any kind of new wrinkle that adds movement, but movement's the key. This is why I think uh, this is why I think dive bomb. This is something that we believe in is because most people are running a lot of full bodies, so you can differentiate yourself by running silhouettes like dive bombs. Okay, and and you know I can go into. You know, a whole laundry list as to why I think Dive Bomb is at the pinnacle of the silhouette game. I'm not going to get into it, but I like their color. I like their stackability, and I like their durability. And I like how they're different from what everybody else is trying to do right now. And that can be your advantage. I was talking to somebody. Somebody sent me a message on Instagram. And uh, he was like, so so do you really truly believe that silhouettes are are better than Full bodies. And I said 100% because everybody's running full bodies now. Everybody went out and got those high-quality AVNX full bodies. Differentiate yourself by getting silhouettes, get a bunch of them, and you'll be the only one in your area running a big spread that looks different than a full body. Use that to your advantage. Use it to your advantage. That's what we do here. You know, and, and in Oklahoma, most everybody's running full bodies. All the other outfitters are running full bodies. So we run big spreads of silhouettes. It looks different. You can get more of them for, for less money. Use the difference to differentiate yourself. I had a guy <clears throat> ask me also, he's like, hey, when did y'all start using dive bombs? I said, last year. Well, is that when y'all become pro staffers for them or they start sponsoring your Big Honker Podcast. Nope. I said, no. We didn't get a Big Honker Podcast sponsor. We didn't have a Big Honker Podcast till April 9th. It was right. our first show. So, we ain't been killing a goose. We ain't killed a goose since April 9th. It's not I, season. I haven't. We used the, the, the dive bombs because it was the best product out there. Right. We have tons of real geese silhouettes we've used for years. Uh-huh. I mean, we were the original real geese guys. We were in the middle of the Jim Cripe outlaw. You know, that's how long oh, I'm that. dating myself on this deal. But we were in the middle of all that lawsuit crap, too. I got threatened and everything else by Jim over all that stuff. You going to sue me? The sheriff's going to come pick up all my decoys because I was using real geese and not outlaw and all that shit. We went through all of that crap. What happened there? Oh, that just Jim, Jim Cripe and real geese, Dave Wise. I think it was Dave Wise, David Wise. I can't yes. remember his name. Dave Wise. Had a, I don't, I don't even know who come out with real geese silhouettes I bought into because I liked them better. So we bought 200 dozen of them. Back when people were buying 10 dozen at a time, we bought 200 dozen. And then I bought another 300 dozen not long after that. But Jim was an outlaw, and he was trying to sell me, always trying to sell me stuff, always. So he was trying – He I, I called 
real geese and bought a bunch of decoys. Well, Jim found out about it, so he called me. He's trying to get me to buy their decoys and send the real geese back, and I wasn't going to do it. Well, then he told me that they were suing them, and they got into a big copyright lawsuit, and I don't know all the particulars. Somebody that knows a lot more than me is going to pop in and say, well, Jeff, he was wrong. It wasn't a copyright. It was something about how they did the coloring or whatever it was. Then he called me, and he told me that if – he knew that my name was going to be mentioned in the lawsuit because I guess we own more real geese probably than anybody did. And I was run, we was running five groups a day then. And we was trying to run a hundred dozen and never spread or a hundred and never spread. So 10 dozen and never spread basically. And he told me that if I didn't, the sheriff was going to come pick up my decoys. I said, mm-hmm. well, you don't know my sheriff very well. He's a friend of mine. <laughs> he, he don't want my damn decoys. <laughs> and I said, I drive a Chevy pickup. Is Ford going to sue me? Cause I don't, I'm not using a Chevy product. Right. And so we went back and forth over this shit and, it's funny because about a month after he called and threatened me, I was at Memphis at the Ducks Unlimited back when they used to have a waterfowl show. And he come walking up, and he's got this fucking two, two-gallon two cowboy hat on. You know, you always hear a 10-gallon hat. Uh-huh. That some bitch was two-gallon hat because it was two <laughs> gallons would have fit in that sucker. And I told him, I said, Jim, where'd you get that hat? Oh, I bought this when I was down in Texas. I was like, you need two of them, some bitches. He goes, what for? I said, well, one to shit in and one to cover it up with. He got all <laughs> mad, walked back. He come back with a ball cap on about five minutes later. But yes. he did. He was mad. And then they sent out, Outlaw used to send out this propaganda deal. They'd mail it out. And it was a deal about all your, everybody ordered their decoys. And I'll be a son of a bitch if my name's not in his magazine. Hey, I, this is Jeff Stanfield at Stanfield Hunt Efforts, Knoxie, Texas. And I want to get a hundred dozen of your decoys and, uh, and your motion kits to go with them. Wow. Well, I was pissed. I called yeah. him up. I told him, I said, now you want to talk about a lawsuit. And that was the end of it. I mean, Real right. Geese won the lawsuit. And so anyways. We, we quit using real geese decoys and we started using dive bombs way before they was ever a sponsor because they make a great product. And I'm not ripping on real geese, but no. dive bomb is a better product right now. I believe, yes, 100%. Just because uh, they're lighter weight and the, the stake system is what is what makes dive bomb for us. But um, back to my original thesis is, you know, most people are running full body. So this is how you can separate yourself from what everybody else is doing. Another thing you got to think about is if everybody is is hiding in the spread in the silo in the decoys whatever they are find an edge to hunt okay because those birds are going to be used to every time they get over the decoys somebody's blasting at them but now if you back up 30 yards and you're hiding in the edge when those geese are looking for blinds or people or whatever in your, in the in the decoy spread they're not going to see them because you're going to be on the edge Whatever your area, whatever guys in your area are doing, don't, don't, you know, only dead fish go with the flow. Okay. So if everybody's doing that in your area, separate yourself. If everybody's hunting an edge, figure out how to hide in, in, in the, in the, uh, decoys because birds are going to get conditioned to every time they fly over an edge of a field. That's where, that's where the danger is. Okay. Set yourself apart. You're going to, it's, it's so much easier. And I promise you. It's it's hard at first because everybody's telling you, oh, this is how this is how you kill geese. Blah 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 blah. Separate yourself, and it can make all the difference in the world. I'm telling you, when people start doing everything one way, flip it. Do the opposite. That's how you kill birds. That's how we do it. If things if if we're doing things the same way, we'll hunt we'll hunt in the middle of the spread or you know whatever. Just change things up. Don't let them know where. You're, don't let them know how you're going to hit them. So, we talked about the flag. That's what we want to talk about. Decoys, just some little stuff. Um, had a message on it today, or not today. Had a message yesterday from a guy 
that, and I'm not going to say his name because he doesn't want anybody to know this, but he had a Bigfoot encounter following up last week's stuff. Really? Yeah. He told me that he was hunting in East Texas deer hunting, and he was on a stand. He said, Jeff, I'm on a bow hunting in a place I've been on all the time, my grandparents' place. So I've hunted on it for, he said, years. He didn't tell me how many years, but years. He's 50-something. He's my age. He said, been hunting on it for years, and he goes, a couple of years ago, they had some cattle come up missing. They thought they had a mountain lion. They never did see a mountain lion, but they found some half-eaten cows and stuff, and they just assumed it was a mountain lion. Huh. He said, I'm sitting on a deer stand, and he goes, something. He says, see movement and something dark. He said, I thought it was a bear, and they don't have any bears there. He said, we've never seen a bear. 50 miles, they have some bears away from him. He thought, he thought it was going to be a black bear. And he said, Jeff, I'm telling you right now, my heart stopped. He said, it was a human being covered in hair. Hmm. And he said, it wasn't no six foot eight, seven foot five guy. He said, it was somebody that was six foot tall. And he what? said, that's what he told me. He goes, I don't know what I've seen to this day. He goes, it wasn't a person. But he looks, he said, it looked like a an undersized Sasquatch you see from a TV movie. He said, and it just walked right by. He said, it didn't see me. I said, you think about shooting it? He goes, I was afraid if I did that, it'd be a person. Right. He yeah. said, I, I just was afraid that if I shot it, it'd be a person, it'd be a murder. Right. So I think the state of Texas is law that you can't, I, I don't think they have a law against shooting. I think you can, oh, Bigfoot's open season. I, I really do. I think that they passed a law or some shit on that. I don't know. I'm going to have to look that up. But What do you think? Do you think there's a Bigfoot? I told you the other day, I've, there's Clay. I've known Clay a long time. I'm wanting a yes or a no here. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give my response. Then I'll give you my answer. I've known Clay a long time, and a lot of people, our listeners, are getting to know Clay. Clay is pretty much what Clay says. You know, everybody tells stories. Everybody thinks, oh, they're bullshitting and stuff. And I'm sure Clay adds something to it. Everybody does. Everybody does. I mean, it's a typical deal. But Clay's stories are, are Clay stories. They're true because he's told a lot of stories that I knew back in. I knew Clay 30 years ago when I was you know, in teens and young, in my 20s, early age. And so a lot of stories he's talking about, I've heard, I've been there, I've seen some of this stuff. He doesn't embellish much. The Clay Reed. Uh, the Coat Man. No, the, uh, oh, fuck, the Child Support Party. That I, I wasn't around that. I didn't hang out with that. that I, he thought you had told, I thought you told us stories about the that, that she, you know, would throw these big, lavish Clay Reed Child Support Parties. No, I didn't. Oh. I was somebody else telling you that. Oh. But I know but a lot of the other stories about Clay are true. I know. I mean, Clay hasn't lied about it. He don't lie about right, anything. Right, 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 he right. mentions people's names and stuff. Sure. Now, the other two people that were on that Bigfoot are yep. two of your football coaches. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've known these guys real well. They're good family friends. Are either one of them bullshitters? Not a, No, not about that. No. I mean, they're not liars. But I haven't heard it from them. Right. I'm sure they would, you know, but yeah. I haven't seen them in 10 years also. But you, have you ever known them to bullshit you? No, but we didn't hear it from them. No, I know I'm that. Saying. But he, he, they were with him. Right. So I'm, 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 go, I'm so here, here's my answer to this. Clay, Mitch, and Wayne, all men, gentlemen I trust very much. Mm-hmm. And I've had a couple other friends now that I trust that have had different episodes with him. With a Bigfoot. With a Bigfoot. And I, I believe there's something there that done something. I don't know that there's a Bigfoot. I don't know that there's not. I'm really not giving you a clear answer, but... I'm on a yes or a no. I'm going to say yes, there's something there. Okay. I believe in aliens. Really? I do. I've never had an encounter with one. I've seen some shit I can't identify, though. That's interesting. You don't believe in aliens? Uh, yes, I do. Well, <clears throat> I believe that there is so much out there that we don't know 
that it would be irresponsible to say definitively there are no aliens. Um, I actually think that there's a Bigfoot, personally. I think that the wilderness is vast enough that, and, and you got to think, you know, um, I heard this argument a long time ago. I can't remember who from, but um, how hard is it? You know, Clay says that a coyote is the hardest thing to kill. How many coyotes do you see? All, all the time. All the time you do? I see a coyote probably when I'm in the country every day. Okay, but it's just a dog, right? It's a dog is all it is. Now you're you're talking about something that is a little bit smarter. Let's say it is let's say there is a Bigfoot, okay? You gotta assume that it's got the almost the intelligence of a human, which means it it's a little bit smarter, it can probably camouflage itself a little bit better. So I'm gonna say that there is a Bigfoot. Are are gorillas if, real? Yes. But if you wanted to disappear, could you do it? You could do it. Osama bin Laden played hide-and-seek for 12 years. So that's what I'm saying. I'm saying you get something that's got close to human intelligence and something that dates back millions of years ago, let's say, because there was a a Gigantopithecus. You can can look at it up. You can look it up. What the hell is this? It's what Bigfoot is. Okay. You've never heard of this? And he's using his Texas Tech education on me today again. Speaking of Texas Tech, and we'll get back to Bigfoot in a minute, you always rip on them. Do you want to know how many colleges in the entire nation have a ha- safe area for their kids? Listen. Because <laughs> they put one of them in last Probably about, about 80% of those. <laughs> had a football team go to a bowl game. Their basketball team go to the final eight. Final eight. eight. And their college baseball team go to the World Series. Probably them, probably the only ones. They're the only ones. Texas Tech is the only college in the nation. Now, do you know why I give you shit about Texas Tech? Why? Because between you and mom, and every Mexican in Knox City that can buy a T-shirt at Walmart, they're all Longhorn fans. No, they're all Tech fans. That's all I hear. No, they're not. They're not. No. I hear Tech, 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 Tech. So me. That's because we've got a superior. Lacking to to stir the pot. I enjoy pushing y'all's buttons. Do you know? I, you answered your own question. Yeah, I knew that. Now, who pulled for Tech in the basketball? You did. I did. Are yeah. you going to pull for them tomorrow? The Until baseball? they play Texas, I'm going to. I hope Tech or Texas wins the national championship. I'm Texas first. Well, but you, you, just, you just proved my point. The only college in the entire nation to have, you know, basically three teams – Go to the pinnacle well, of their sport. Let's, let's don't call the football bowl a pinnacle because I'm going to ask you they this. They went to a bowl game. Okay, This is proof right here, folks. What's, which bowl game they play in? Fiesta. Shit. No. What was it? Allstate? The Sugar Bowl? No. The Rose Bowl? No. You keep huh. digging. You get your phone out now. You don't know. And let me ask, who'd they play in their bowl game? <laughs> See? That's the thing. He don't know. But they went. They did go to a bowl game. But they take they take eighty. If you finish six and six, you're going to get a bowl game because there's more bowls. They went. Than there are eligible teams. They went to a bowl game. Their okay. basketball went to the final eight, the elite eight. Now that's a pinnacle. They had the a great elite basketball eight, team. and their baseball team's playing in the World Series. No other team, open and shut case. No other no other college in the nation can say that. And another reason I like to see Tech win is because uh, Parker Kelly, John Kelly, a friend of mine's son, plays second short infield for for Tech. So back to Bigfoot. Mm-hmm. I think that there is a uh, definitely a better than good possibility that there is 
something out there. Go try to find a monkey. Go try to find a gorilla that doesn't want to be found. That's what I was going to ask. Is I mean, I've never lived where there's gorillas, but I'm assuming you just don't see them in the jungle every day. I think day. you got Yeah, you got to go way back. So go find something that – go try to find something like that. Now, for And the then ne- give it a little bit more of an edge and give it, you know, something that's that's got close to the intelligence of a human. I don't know. I mean, they're not doing arithmetic or anything, but I got to assume that – millions of years of evolution have taught them how to blend in and how to hide and it's not a big deal for them here's but i always thought that they were herbivores so eating that cow kind of trips me out well he just said there were some cows come up eating that don't mean that it was them doing it i don't know i watched terry and the hendersons he liked animals but right let's let's we're gonna dig on this for a second we're gonna get off bigfoot but i want to talk about this for a minute i just thought it was interesting the guy messaged me that if Gig- you look back as far back as history and written history and stuff, there were people seeing monkey men, they called them in the woods. Mm-hmm. From back when the Revolutionary War, all the way back, you can find something. So I think it's kind of, it, it would be wrong for us to dismiss all of those sightings. And, and there's a lot of intelligent people that have seen something in the woods. Now for the alien stuff, I've... I just I think that it's unidentified flying object. There's a lot of shit out there. I mean, I've I've seen stuff in the middle of the country. Me and you spend a lot of time out outside of the city. We live in a town with a thousand people. Mm-hmm. We go to our lodge, which is nine miles outside of town. There's not one. If you get outside of Knox City, past the city limits, we go by one, two, three residences and nine miles to get to the lodge. The six mile road to the lodge on the Farm to Market twenty two seventy nine. There's not a house on. There's nobody lives there. It's all it's all woods. It's all open fields, and you see stuff at nighttime sometimes that you can't account for, right. and it's that way everywhere. You get in these deep woods. Remember when we were in northern Canada? How thick those woods and shit were. Sure. You imagine the crap that could live there that nobody would know. Or I've never been to Oregon, but from what I you know where most of the Bigfoot sightings are, it's just it's trees and mountains and there's some rough shit. So I mean, I I got to think that if they wanted to you know, disappear, that they could. Gigantopithecus, 100,000 years ago. So it could be. It's is believed when they were, when they, when they think that they went instinct 100,000 years ago. Now. Due to climate change. Now, this is, the, this is the other side, playing the devil's advocate. There's a million game cams out today. Yep. A million of them. And everybody's got a cell phone. Yep. It, but but here we go on this deal too with the game camps. How many people in Knox County have game cams? You think? Every deer lease, yeah, it's covered up with them. How many mountain lion pictures you ever seen them from one? Zero. But they also say it's because we don't have mountain lions in this area. But they're bullshit though, because I've seen them. You think you've seen? No, them. No, I've seen them. I saw them. I know what it was. Here. I've got too many friends that have here seen he them. Goes. You know, I, too many people I know have seen mountain lions, but it's always a flash. They never just walk, and they've seen them. Same around the, the one that got ran over at Grayford. Those people got mount, uh, deer cams. You don't see no pictures from them either. Right. If someone gets a mountain lion on their deer cam, them tuckers are going to be all over the internet. Facebook, people are going to be sharing them left and right. Yeah. It's just not normal. Okay. Uh-huh. We're going to go. I, I, I believe in aliens I, I, and I believe in Sasquatch. I think it would be unwise to say definitively, no, there is not. Yeah, I think that's the way. But I sure wish somebody would shoot one and get it mounted. I wrote a. I used to write really? an article. Yeah, I think It'd be, be cool. a sad deal. I, I wrote an article. I used to write a column in the Knox County newspaper called Just Jeff, and it was like in four or five different deals, and it was very politically incorrect. 
and I talk politics, everything. And I wrote a story in there about me and Tony and Fred Ledesma, a friend of ours, going to Oregon to go Sasquatch hunting. And I told him we shot one. We ended up getting one, and we had it mounted at the lodge. And a, a girl I went to high school with messaged me, and she wanted to bring her husband and sons to see the mounted Sasquatch. They always <laughs> wanted to see one. I thought, God, mighty. Better retract it. <laughs> Shit, some people are just not very smart. All right, I'll talk about something that's, that's playing in the world today, and this is going to be me looking into the future. Canada and the U.S. are getting off on a rocky board start right now with Trump and Trudeau. Uh-huh. There's no friendship there at all. And okay. Canada is fixing to make it hard on our waterfowl hunters. You I'm going to so? tell you, if you want to go to Canada to go waterfowl hunting, you better go this year. Because after this year, I'm not going to guarantee you're going to get to go up there to go waterfowl hunting. Really? I don't. I'm, I can see that coming down the pipe. Huh. And a mutual friend of ours, and I'm not going to mention his name because I don't want to do that there, is in the hotel business. And he told me that they would not, he would not invest in any kind of business in Canada right now that was going to be dependent on U.S. dollars to keep it afloat. Wow. Huh. He, he thinks that it, it, it can be any time where they just cut down people coming across the border unless it's something that's benefiting Canada. And they already make it tough on waterfowl hunters. They don't want our guides up there. Right. Okay, let me retract that. You could probably still go to Canada after this year and hunt with a Canadian-owned outfitter and hunt with Canadians. Right. But if you want to hunt with American guides and the Americans are going up there and running businesses, I wouldn't be surprised if that's done pretty quick. So you're saying the like the visas yep. and stuff all that they work, hand out. All the work permits and all that shit to Americans, I think they're fixing to really hammer down on. Huh. I think Trudeau's going to try to set an example of, by God, I'll show Trump. And all he's going to be doing is hurting his own country. Now, I don't know all the facts to this. I've been busy this last week, so I haven't been able to. But, I mean, we're losing on trade, aren't we? Yes, and I don't know all the details either. I know that dairy, they tariff about 270% or something. But I, I saw one snippet that, uh, so I, I don't know. Like I, I got to do more research before I, before I stick my foot in my mouth to all of our Canadian listeners uh, that we appreciate so much. And we have a lot of them up there. We do. And, yeah. and them guys up there that waterfell hunt, I'm sure some of them guys get sick of the Americans coming up there, the do-it-yourselfers. Sure. But there's I'm a sure. lot of them little towns, like the little towns we were at, they love the money. Mm-hmm. I mean, the restaurants were full. The hotels were full. Yep. They didn't, and the places we were didn't seem to have much other else going on. You know, you get 60 miles from the Arctic Circle, it's pretty damn cold up there. Mm-hmm. And so tourism is probably at a standstill come wintertime. I agree. But, and I don't know the whole story. So what is Trudeau trying to do? Uh, he's just trying to step back. He's trying to play to get in a punch fight with Trump, basically, and he's going to lose. You're going to fucking lose, bub. I'm telling you. I mean, he, uh, you're dealing with not a guy like you're used to. I don't know. No, he's dealing with a man that's got a set of balls now. But even when Trump's wrong, he's going to fucking dig his heels in. Yeah, I don't know the what the trade deal is with Canada, dollar for dollar. I know we lose with them. We but, lose to everybody. But, but it's because we're the biggest buyers consumer. in the world. We're the consumer. That's the word I'm looking for. We're the biggest consumer in the world, so we're buying product from all over, and we buy a lot of stuff from them. But it's an unfair deal. Trump's not happy about it. But the amazing part is, is how everything in our country comes down to 50%. 50% of people are for and 50% of the people are against. And I just can't believe that we got that much division in our country when it comes to things that have nothing to do with race, nothing to do with politics, just what's good for America. Yeah. I just, I don't get it. We should be 70-30 at least on stuff. The Democrats are all about... And if I've got any Democrat listening, oh, you're about to get pissed off because they ain't very many Democrats listening. They're to us. all about the minority, the smallest group possible. So they're all about, 
you know, how we look in China or how we look in Canada. Who Trump is all about let's fix America, let's be America first and go from there. That's his job. He was elected president of the United States, not the United Nations. Yeah. And I wish they'd get rid of them some bitches too. The UN? Yeah, that's the dumbest thing. We ought to get there with them. Let them take care of themselves. They don't need us because they don't help. They don't ever have our back. But right. but the deal with Canada is going to affect waterfowl hunting if it don't get fixed pretty soon. Yeah, I agree. It, it, it's coming, and and I like. I, there's a lot of good Canadian people. We've got good friends up there. But and I love is them. he gonna? It, it, Trudeau is just like one province, right? No, he's the prime minister of Canada. He's like the president of the United States. Really? Yeah. I thought each province had their own. I'm assuming they have a governor president. or whatever they have. Or I'm sure they have something. I don't know. Hmm. I don't know Canadian politics, but Trudeau is the prime minister of Canada. Right. Of all Canada. Of all Canada. He wears, uh, I saw he wears eyebrow toupees. What a puss. Did you see that? I, I, I saw the article. I didn't read it. He was doing an interview, and like that thing creeps down to like his eyelashes. If he's fucking Italian like me, he wouldn't have to worry about them some bitches growing. He's probably French Canadian. Oh, yeah. He's, he's a vagina. There ain't no doubt about it. See there, there go there goes our Canadian listeners and and the fifteen that we have in France. Let me tell you something. Most of the Canadians, and I'm going to put it at ninety nine point eight percent, the people that would oh, listen you're to about this to get pissed off. No, they like him about as much as we liked Obama. You think so? Oh, he's a mom jean wearing push just like really? Obama was. I saw I saw I'm friends with somebody I don't even know on Facebook from Canada, and he was talking about all in on Trudeau. Well, fighting back the power that Trump is. Well, good luck to him. Right. Canadian Canada's got a lot of good, good, good people. But they got a left wing side too. They got Montreal and shit as their California. Quebec. And the only place I've ever been in the world, and I haven't ever been to the Orient, but I've been a lot of places that had Japanese writing or Chinese writing, I don't know what the difference is, on the airport signs was in Vancouver, Canada. Hmm. Which is absolutely the most beautiful city I've ever been to in my life. Never been. It's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful place. Canada is a beautiful country. It was. And I hope they can work this out. But I have a feeling, just a gut instinct feeling, telling me that things are going to get ugly between them two presidents and the people that are going to hurt from this. It's just like every day time. Every time a politician does something, it usually hurts the good people. And I'm afraid, I'm afraid the waterfowl industry is going to be part of it that's going to be affected by this. But listen, the thing that I learned the most from, from us not, you know, from, from going to Canada and hunting up there and then hunting at a place like North Dakota, there's not a whole lot of difference, okay? There's plenty of good hunting here in America. So for the American listeners, if you have not got to go to Canada and it doesn't look like you're going to get to go to Canada and they shut that down for whatever reason, there's plenty of good hunting here in the States, you don't even have to leave the country. And I can tell you, going across the border into Canada is Not a real fun. pain in the ass. Not fun. If the United States had the same border on the south that they did on the north with Canada, there wouldn't be any fucking problems with immigration right now. And taking it from somebody that got turned around at the border, not fun. Yeah, one of us in this room got banned from the, state, or from the, from the country of Canada for one year, and it's not the fat guy. Yep. It's a, it's a skinny it's a skinny guy with the beard that's about to get chopped off. That still doesn't know who Tech played in the bowl. Are you I, fixing to really cut listen. that beard? It's getting hot. I thought you were going to do it all the way and grow it out. What do you mean? I thought you were just going to let it go year round. No, it's, I thought we made a deal when we started hot. this podcast. If if our podcast kept growing each month, we was going to not shave. Well, because I'm telling you right now, I'll make you a deal. 
If you you can cut yours off, and I can cut this damn thing off because I just got a little goatee thing growing, and it drives me nuts. Well, and I can't imagine that woolly bastard. Does your wife like the beard? I don't think she minds it. Jesse, do you like his beard? Do you? Would you rather him shave it off though? She don't care. She doesn't care. I don't she, think our wives are as eight, big a fan. She's eight months pregnant in the summertime. Yeah. I, I am the least of her worries. I don't think our wives are as big a fan of the podcast because I asked them both about being on here and doing a, a wife side, and neither one of them acted really excited about being on the podcast. Well, nine months pregnant. See, she corrected him. Got corrected again. <laughs> Fuck, could you imagine that podcast hey, with Jesse, them on there? There'd be just corrections all over the place. Do you want to be on the podcast? No. No, you don't, Michelle. Don't. Why not? She says she's not that interesting. Y'all got good stories. You though. know, the one thing that I, I've noticed is you're never, you never, the only person that you're not interesting to is yourself. That's true. Like people that do, like a biologist. I would love to, we're going to get a biologist on here one day and we're going to talk about all that interesting stuff that they know. But I bet they get home and like, what a fuck, what an uneventful day. You think accountants think they're exciting? They're not. No. <laughs> I think I'm damn exciting. I have fun. I am a fun person. She's talking about the accountant. No, she said her. She don't think nobody's exciting. Oh, accountants. No, they're not exciting. I think I'm an exciting, fun person. People, this is something I want you to do. Here's what we're going to do now. We are going to do a Big Honker podcast hunt. It's going to be November 19th through 21. And this is for the single and the double and the triple guys, the guys that can't get a group of guys to hunt, but you want to come hunting. And I know there's someone out there listening because I get a lot of emails on it. November 19th through 21, that's three mornings of goose hunting in Texas. Stay at the Big Honker Lodge. Food lodging is $750. That's three morning hunts with lodging and meals for $750 per person. Now, I'm going to take singles, doubles, triples, and we're going to build a group of about 10 people out of all that. We get to 10, and we got more than that, we'll do two groups. But on those dates, for the guys that are single hunters, and I get calls, or a woman, you want to hunt, but you don't have nothing but you and another guy, or just you by yourself. It's November 19th, 2021. That's a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday before Thanksgiving, and that is a great time to hunt. We have lots of birds. Especially if you're looking for a, a speck to go on the wall, you're not going to find a better time or a better place to go hunt. We have we got a lot of specs that time of year, and they are all beautiful. Now, don't worry about getting the band off of it. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. But, yes, that is a great time, especially if a speckle belly, a beautiful speckle belly is on your bucket list. Get a, you know. So, <clears throat> for people that aren't uh, outfitter-minded, why do you do a minimum party size? Well, because I'm in the business to make money. And I've had that thrown in my face for 25 years. Well, you're just there to make money. Well, no shit. I mean, it's a business. You know? If why you weren't, you, you'd be in the UN. Yeah. Why, why are you a heart surgeon to, to make money? I mean, I don't think most of them guys are really in it to do 12-hour surgeries. They're meant to make money. Money's what motivates us. I'm in the hunting business to make money. Now, I want everybody to have a good time. And that's what it's about also. I love the outdoors. I love hunting. That's how I got in this business. But you can't make money if you take one or two or three people out there. And you can't make money when you get a guy calls up. And I've had this happen before. Hey, I got, can, I, can I take my kid on a hunt too? What do you charge for a kid? My, my deal on kids is if you just got a minimum of six, I usually do a kid for half price. If you got seven or eight guys, I'll let you bring your kid for free. I don't mind at all. Kids need to hunt. I'll yep. work with you. Call me up and talk to me. But the guy who calls me up, he said, well, 
I can't, how about if I go, but my kid, well, if you can get some more guys to go through, well, it's just me and my kids. Well, can you do my kids half price? How many kids you got? Four. Right. You, know, right. you can't make money that way. That's why I do a minimum. You know, time you go scout, I got to pay a minimum amount for a field to hunt. I don't want to blow a field up to hunt two people. It's not going to happen. Well, um, that's kind of what I was getting at. And it, Guggenheim alluded, alluded to this. It's going to take the same amount of work to hide four people as it does eight. Yes. And you're usually going to shoot in the same flock, the same amount of birds. Right. But you're going to kill half of the birds you would kill. Right. So you're going to basically burn a prime field in the area for 10, 15 birds. Yeah, I've never understood why, guys. I'll have some at – we have a lot of groups of 10 and 12. That's pretty common. Guys like shooting 70 to 100 birds. Yep. And I'll, and I'll get guys, oh, I just don't like to hunt with that many people. You get to shoot a lot more. Mm-hmm. You know, you get to be on a part of an 80-bird, 100-bird hunt. How many people actually out there have been on a 100-bird goose hunt? Not a lot. Mm-mm. We've had a lot of our customers have, but mm-hmm. the average Joe has not been on a, bird, a hunt where they get to kill 100 geese. Right. It just don't happen. And then you throw in some ducks and maybe some cranes on a bonus deal, and you're shooting 140 or 50 birds. Mm-hmm. And we've had a lot of those. Anyways, November 19th, 2021, call me the first 10, 12 people. When we get, we're going to get that booked up, and if we need to do a second one, we will. But that's a big honker pod. That'd be a big honker podcast hunt is what I'm calling that. And to get a hold of me, you can email me at goose at west w e s t e x dot net west e x dot net west x dot net. There's only one t in west x. And something else I want to say: go to iTunes reviews and give us some reviews. Love to see the reviews, good or bad. Just tell us what you what you what you would like to hear. We're going to be doing this year round. Three times a week, we like to hear some things and like to hear back from you and give us deals. Had a guy this week message on Zach, put a picture up on Instagram. The picture, or you may have put it up, where Zach's with all the geese behind him. He's walking in back in the spread. He's holding a couple of decoys or a couple of birds. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And somebody wrote on there said, Why is it? He's got a look on his face like he just took a band. <laughs> so people are listening. My gosh, we're growing every week. Anything else you want to talk about? That's basically what I had for today. Father's Day's coming up. I'm going to let my dad, I'm going to say something. My dad, he's going to be listening to this. My dad's a sick guy, good guy. He's very sick. He's been, shit, he's had every, everything happen to him. He can't, amazing dad's still living, to be honest with you. He's had lung cancer, six bypasses. He's an old workhorse, still works. The other day he got his last chemo treatment, and he's had trouble walking a little bit. And I said something to him. He goes, well, God damn, I was hoping I could help paint a house or something this summer. <laughs> I mean, God just had, he's, he, he's been sick, sick man. Anyways, I love you, Dad. Happy Father's Day. If it wasn't for you, me and Tony would never be doing what we're doing. And the Big Honker Lodge would never be the same. And I don't know how many more of these we're going to have together, but by gosh, I'm going to try to enjoy them while I can. Yep. There you go. You said it all. Be sure. Uh, I really don't have anything to plug. Follow me on Instagram at Andy underscore Shaver. I will be happy to answer any questions that you have, so shoot me a message. Whatever. Have a good Father's Day. To all the fathers out there. If you want to win a Tumblr, <clears throat> go to iTunes Reviews, write your review down, and put Tumblr underneath it. And out of everybody that does an iTunes review this week, I'll send a Tumblr to somebody. Damn. Not everybody that does a review, but I'm going to send a Tumblr to someone that to does somebody it. That to somebody. To somebody. If review. you put a t- and you put Tumblr next to it, I'll draw your name out of a hat and we'll send, and I'll send you a Tumblr. Oh, there you go. So I just I want to get some reviews on there. I like to hear, I want some feedback. Yeah. I understand. So everybody that's messaging me, go do right iTunes review, and maybe you'll win a Tumblr. There you go. That's all I got. 
We got a big guest that we will announce on our next podcast coming up at the end of the week. So be sure stick around for that. It's going to be a big one. We're excited about it. It's not David Lee Roth, though. Nope. Not that big, but he's Well, he would be interesting to have on here. I bet he's not a hunter, though. Nope. All right. Thank you very much for listening. God bless y'all. Have a great day. And and remember, this is coming out on Father's Day tomorrow evening sometime. If you didn't call your dad or go see him, call your dad, tell him you love him, because dads are pretty special people, because I'm one of them. And I want my kids to do that for me.